Welcome to Season 4 of the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Starring El Gran Tommy Martinez. And featuring Adam Tate. Brought to you by Tata Coba Promotions. From Datacoba Promotions Studio One and featuring Datacoba Promotions Studio Equipment. And now, buckle up for the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Welcome and welcome to the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast, season number four, episode number eight. Actually, I should have said, welcome and welcome to the Tommy without Adam Hard to Name Podcast, season number four, episode number eight, because, yeah, you guessed it, El Señor Adam Tate is still absent. He is not here. He is not present so if I'm still using his name, is because this is hard as hell to do a podcast with no one to receive some feedback from. Can any of our Legion of listeners relate to that? Because I'm guessing you can relate to that, especially when you speak and all you're speaking to is the void. Because it's not like when you speak into a wide space and you receive back an echo. Speaking into the void is just like speaking uh, or giving some instructions to my wife, my kids, or my grandkids. No one listens. It just goes into the stratosphere. Those words probably be picked up by some aliens, you know, X amount of light years away. That's how it feels without my partner, Mr. Adam Tate, here present. And all I can hope is that you, our loyal listeners, our legions, are picking up this wonderful podcast because I am ready to deliver yet another great episode of this podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, RSS Podcast, and many other of your favorite DSPs. In all seriousness, uh, I miss Adam a lot. I miss what he brings to the show, and uh, I've been trying to reach out to him. I haven't even gotten a message back from him. I've been trying to get a hold of him to see if he give me some of that cool pre-recorded stuff that he comes up with just to uh, make this podcast better or to bring it up to the level that it usually is when he's here in Datekova Promotion Studio One. But nonetheless, I'm going to go ahead and keep chugging along because this is what it's about. And this episode, I hope to bring some surprises. Hopefully, it's as good as I imagine it. Also, if you're a fan of our podcast, you'll know that in the past years, we've really been... Uh, vamping it up for uh, St. Valentine's Day since this is uh, St. Valentine's Day week. And uh, usually this would have been our love special, but it's not going to happen the way I usually do it. Uh, We'll see if uh, I can actually pull it off. I'm not 100% sure, but we'll give it a shot. Anyway, you'll still get the same great content that you usually get with all the historical pieces, some of this uh, obscure music that I could find here and there, and the rest of the things that we do on this podcast. Now, in the past couple of podcasts, I've been trying to open this package that I received from our friend Betsy Calderon. 
I want to shout out Betsy. Uh, we love you. And I just haven't been able to open up this gift that she sent us because I've been waiting for Adam to make it on in to Dateco Promotion Studios and open it up with him. As you all know, he's been absent. I can't get a hold of him. I've had this since October, and uh, I'm going to have to uh, open it without Adam. Let me get ready. Uh, let me cover up any addresses because I'm going to show it to you uh, on video, actually. So there it is. Check it out. Let's see what she sent us. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. I know she was in Alaska recently. What she does is she sends us these cool things that she finds that are rock and roll related. And, uh, you know, she just, she, oops, something fell. Yes, of course. Here it is right here. It is a, oh, how cool is this? This is a, a Hard Rock Cafe pin from Amsterdam. Wow. Check it out. Check it out. Thank you so much. This is very cool. All right. Thank you so much. She always sends these. So I'm going to put it over here on my uh, collection display. There it is right there. Very, very cool. Let me see what else I got in here. Oh, I have a card, but I'm not going to read that on, on uh, the podcast. Let me see what else. Oh, wow. This is a lot of goodies. Oh, oh, very, very cool. A bottle opener. Oh, oh, it's a bottle opener from Prague. Oh, this is the flag of uh, the Czech Republic on a bottle opener that's shaped like a guitar. Yeah. Cool. Let me get this out real quick. It's in a, it's in a uh, little baggie. All right, here it is right there. It's a bottle opener. I will be putting it back in this little baggie because I like to preserve these. And it is going right back to my little display behind the uh, the main seat of the Time and Adam Hard to Name podcast here in Datekoa Promotion Studios 1. There it is right there. Oh, wow. I have so many cool things that she sent me. And, uh, of course, of course, Belgian chocolates. Yeah, thank you so much, Betsy. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for remembering this geezer of rock and roll. Thanks. Thanks, Betsy. I'm sure that I'll save some of these uh, chocolates for Adam when, uh, when he returns. Uh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. It's so cool. These are the fans of the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast uh, available on Spotify and the rest of your favorite DSPs. I just can't stop the self-promotion. You know what? I'm curious. Let me see what this card says just in case since I already turned off the cameras. And by the way, I have the uh, cameras on because it'll probably go up on our Instagram page, Datekoa Promotions, just like that, Datekoa, D-A-T-E-C-O-B-A underscore promotions. All right. It says, hello, friend. That's what the card says. Excellent. For your collection. Wow. Yes. Thank you. And the chocolates uh, are so you could go ahead and share them with Adam. Of course, of course. I'm not going to share the uh, two cool Hard Rock Cafe pins. Again, one from Amsterdam and the other one's from uh, from Prague. Nice. In all seriousness, it's so touching, really, to uh, have uh, a person to always remember, uh, you know, for your passion and and uh, Betsy knows I'm very passionate about rock and roll, as she is passionate about many cool things. Uh, she's an excellent dancer. Uh, her uh, expertise, I believe, is salsa music. I've seen her uh, spin around a few times on the dance floor. Woo, great dancer. So, yeah. And uh, that's surprise number one on, f- <laughs> on the St. Valentine's Day uh, episode. <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm a little giddy. I like receiving things. <laughs> I'm like a little kid. <laughs> now, let's see if I can materialize surprise number two a little bit later on in this podcast. And without any further preambles, how about we start this thing? All right. Good morning. And today is February the 11th of 2023. And this is Guns N' Roses. And the National Day is brought to you from the pages of the NationalDayCalendar.com. And today is the National Day of uh, Don't Cry Over Spilled Milk Day. That's why yesterday's got nothing for me. Tell me, Axel. There you go. <laughs> yeah, if we're going to start off this podcast right... We got to start it off with some rock and roll like that from Guns N' Roses. We just love live music here on the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Or is it the Tommy Without Adam Hard to Name Podcast? I don't know. I'll have to give that some thought. National Don't Cry Over Spilt Milk Day. Hmm, That's kind of a weird day to celebrate. It's a day where you think positive stuff about shit that didn't go right. Hmm. Is it about thinking things happen for a reason? And just resignating yourself to that and moving on and not being a big pussy and crying about it for, I guess, the rest of your life. Bringing shit up, renting space in your head. Hmm, let's dive a little deeper. <gasps> not that kind of deep diving. I'm talking about introspective thinking because, yeah, a lot of us kind of go through stuff in life. We just can't get over it. So it's sure not easy as it sounds. The fact is life is going to continue. So why keep carrying this stuff? Why keep crying over spilled milk? What's done is done. Uh, Kind of like living your life without many regrets or any if you can. I mean, you're always going to have some kind of regret, but there's some regrets or things that occurred in your life that you're just going to drag like an iron ball. This proverb of the spilled milk, it's, it's good for the mind to let shit go. You know, really bad shit in your life. Some people love holding grudges forever, and it just makes you bitter on the inside. If you have that positive view, uh, you could overlook at some point you got passed up for promotion, that you didn't have this great relationship that you were supposed to have with, you know, let's say your dad or your mom, some close family member. Crying over spilled milk, quote unquote, is not going to drag on the rest of your life or it shouldn't drag on the rest of your life if you didn't pick out the right color of some car that you wanted to buy. Usually it, it involves some kind of emotional shit, either uh, you know divorce, something hard like that. And with, with uh, St. Valentine's Day coming on, ooh, you got to be prepared to look for that new lover so you can have some fun. Many times it involves forgiveness. And that's the hard part, usually, at least in my experience. Betrayal, that's another uh, huge glass of spilt milk. It's more like a bucket versus a glass. The thing is, this day, it encourages us to to not give it much thought and go to the next level. 
ways to uh, observe this day would be to think about cool stuff that's happened in your life versus the fucked up shit that's happened. Like those folks from Syria and Turkey that just uh, had that horrible earthquake here at the beginning of this week. Ooh, that was bad. That's not spilled milk. That's spilled over buildings. Shit that crumbled your entire life. If your problems were worse or whatever experience you had was worse than that, man, that's pretty bad. But still, you have to move on. That's the name of the game. Now we've come to the part where how are we going to observe National Spilt Milk Day? Personally, I don't think there's a given formula of uh, how you get over shit like this. I, I honestly don't know of how you're going to celebrate this day. But let's be frank, usually it's a, a love interest of yours. And uh, if you are still not over it, maybe you may want to go onto social media, find a picture of him or her where they're uh, fat, bald, or ugly, and hashtag yourself on there. <laughs> Hashtag don't cry over spilt milk day. Uh, <laughs> I.e. I dodged the bullet on this one. <laughs> if that doesn't make you feel better, I don't know. Now, they turned out to be like mega hot and successful. I wouldn't recommend you do that. Then you might definitely need a therapist after that. Well, today is also National Global Movie Day. Here's an idea. Maybe uh, you watch a movie to help you get over some of that spilled milk. I mean, just an idea. <laughs> Today in Rock History, brought to you from the pages of History.com, TodayInMusic.com, SongFactsHistory.com, and ClassicBands.com. And this is The Doors, L.A. Woman. But it's not performed by The Doors. That is opening the doors. So doors cover band. Very cool. Sounds uh rocking. Let's listen to some of these vocals. Okay, he has this thing down. Look look around, see which way the wind blows. Wow. You know, uh now that uh, I mentioned The Doors and this song here, L.A. Woman, I received uh, an email from one of these uh, major ticket sellers. You know, I'm one of those on those uh, mailing list, And I saw that Billy Idol, who had covered L.A. Woman excellently, by the way, is on tour. Man, man, Billy Idol. He's playing large theaters, venues like that. The closest he's going to be here is going to be Kansas City. It's probably the, uh, the Uptown Crown or whatever that one is up there. The Starlight Theater, probably. Check it out if you're interested in. If he came to Witches, I would have thought that Billy Idol would have maybe went to the Cotillion or the Wave. <laughs> Billy Idol. I don't follow a lot of Billy Idols. I like his songs. They're pretty good. I like his pop songs. I mean, a lot of people do. The last thing I saw Billy Idol do was The Wedding Singer, that uh, Adam Sandler movie. I became a little distracted there, so let's get back on track for today in rock history, at least in this episode's Today in Rock History. 1968, 29 January of 1968, the Doors appeared at the Pussycat A Go-Go in Las Vegas after the show singer Jim Morrison taunts 
a security guard in the parking lot by pretending to smoke a joint, which resulted in, you guessed it, a fight. The police arrive, who arrest Morrison and charge him with vagrancy, public drunkenness, and failure to possess sufficient identification. Wow, the, uh... The 1968 Las Vegas is way different than the 2023 Las Vegas. Nowadays, those security guards will probably be smoking joints with you. Plus, if you've been to Vegas, you know there's vagrancy all over that damn place. The last time I went to Las Vegas was to a wedding. I was with my friends Kit and Bill. Bill was getting married. And I remember going from Bill's room to my room. All I could smell was weed coming out from under the doors. No pun intended, of these hotel rooms. We all know that Jim Morrison died very young. If he would have lived to see these days, he could have very well seen what that cultural revolution produced uh, nowadays. And uh, Las Vegas is a prime example of that. Freedom, pleasure, and vice. And I would dare to bet, again, no pun intended, that he'd be uh, hanging out in that degenerate's paradise. Don't misinterpret what I'm trying to say. If that's your thing, go for it, player. I'm not judging. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Nobody ever. Like she does Ooh, she does Yes, she does And if somebody loved me like she does And those are the Beatles yes, she does. And Don't Let Me Down Don't Let Me Down 1969 January the 30th of 069. The Beatles made a media splash when they played an unannounced gig on the rooftop of the Apple Corps building in London. Wait a minute, I gotta give you some more volume. I'm in love for the first time. Don't you know it's gonna uh, What a great song. When it comes through the headphones, it's even better. It's a love that has no. Mm. It's a love that has no past. Yeah. Don't uh, let me down. Let me bring it down. Let me bring it down. Let me bring it down. So I'll never finish this. It's one of my favorite Beatles tunes. Sometimes there's songs that just take over your entire being. And I just got to let loose. And this is my podcast, so I could do whatever the hell I want to do. And uh, I'm sure I'll listen to the playback and cringe. But <laughs> this is the beauty of doing podcasts. I could do whatever the hell I want. Like, I could go how long I want. Another beautiful thing about the podcast is you can shut it off if you don't like it. How's that? I actually recommend that you do. <laughs> and don't torture your eardrums. But on the other hand, you're going to miss all this great material I have for you because on that rooftop was the last live performance of this beloved band. And many of you may have seen it because this was streamed 
I can't remember in which service it was streamed on. Uh, it lasted forever, though. The whole sessions, they were remastered. There's a lot of legendarium, as I like to say, uh, surrounding this. But that's neither here nor there. The story here is the chaos that ensued when the fans found out that the Beatles were playing on the rooftop of their own building. Because Apple Corp was owned by the Beatles. And that would be Apple Records, not the uh, Apple iPhone stuff that you're all used to. The Beatles actually had a label that was uh, named Apple Records. And as expected, traffic was brought to a standstill as crowds gathered and watched the Beatles uh, from all over, from other rooftops, from windows and nearby buildings. And we've seen this before in the modern age, you know, modern quote-unquote age of music. We've seen performers get on the marquees, get on the rooftops. You see a lot of that on the award shows, especially in New York. They play sometimes on top of the uh, marquee of the Radio City Music Hall. We all know that famous video from U2 where they performed where the streets have no name. That created some kind of a chaotic scene in Los Angeles. But these were the uber-famous Beatles of the 60s right before they were going to break up. To me, this is what makes it so unique. Here is arguably one of the best groups of all time. Super successful. They're riding high. They get together. This creative locomotive just starts speeding away. You could see that on that one uh, special that I was talking about. You could see the creative process flowing. I, I believe Adam pointed out that you could actually see Paul McCartney was the leader of this creative. He was the one that was the most involved. And that's probably one of the coolest things you could ever do. I want to say, even as a mediocre artist like I am, this week I was uh, with my music instructor, the mighty uh, Aaron Epp, and I was waiting for him uh, to get to the lesson. I turned on a drum track, pulled out my bass, came up with a bass line. He came in, asked me what was I playing. I said, man, I'm just making some stuff up. And we must have jammed for about mm, 30 minutes and came up with this entire groove it was so awesome it really is if if you're involved in music or you're involved in any kind of uh, artistic expression you're taking something that's abstract and it's coming through your soul it's being manifested some way uh, as it exits your body and this is what it's, it's really all about the sad part is I usually have a camera ready to capture anything that we're doing on the moment or on the fly, maybe some song that we're working on so I could go back and review it, something I could use in the podcast a little bit later and uh, refresh my memory. I turned the camera on. It was set to automatic picture taking. All it did was snap a bunch of pictures, one right after the other. It's a continuous shutter. Click, 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 click. I'm all excited after the lesson. I had showered. I was relaxing and I go back to see some of that footage and it was fucking pictures. So yeah, I completely lost it. Anyway, going back to this story, because I'm way off where I'd like to be at. John Lennon ended this incredible and last performance of the Beatles saying, I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition. Even though this is their last performance, uh, the Beatles got over there, uh, don't cry over spilt milk day. They didn't cry too long, if they cried at all, after their breakup. They became pretty successful as individuals after the band dissolved. Paul McCartney went on to a great solo career with Wings, because we all know that's Paul's band. George Harrison did very well. John Lennon, that murder thing aside, did excellently. And Ringo was very successful in being Ringo. That means that if the Beatles could do it, so can we. (laughs) 
and this is Van Halen. Ain't talking about love. I love fan recorded. It's so raw. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm recording here by myself, <clears throat> early in the morning, and I will hear these howls and yells and these attempts of mine to actually sing, and <laughs> and I make all this noise. It's that I get so excited. She comes in here to see what the hell's going on. See if I'm okay. If I had some kind of a seizure or something, I guess. And I try to do this as early as I can because Jeremy on Saturday mornings uh, sleeps here once he gets off his shift. Van Halen's Van Halen. <clears throat> Man, I'm frogging up today. <clears throat> Van Halen won, as it's affectionately known amongst its fans, me being one of them. As I'm also sure that many in our legion of listeners are very much in love with this record still after so many years. And what year, you ask? It was 1978, February the 10th of 1978, when this debut album was released. That's, uh, uh, let me see, let me do a quick calculation here. 45 years ago, I was 12 years old when this thing came out. Running with the Devil, you really got me that King's cover. Ain't talking about love, you just heard that live. I'm the one... Honey, I'm the one, the one you love. Come on, baby, show your love. Hey, give it to me. Mm. <laughs> so you won't shy away from it. Because <laughs> this is a record you need to listen to today if you ask me. Let me find that part real quick. I have the entire record punched up here. So let me <laughs> let me just find this real quick and we'll go from there. <laughs> so that, that way, there you go. There it is right there. Was awake. I wasn't fully awake until now. <laughs> Wowza. <laughs> yeah. Jamie's crying. I'm going to say this last story. Uh, when my kids were smaller, Monica maybe seven, Jeremy maybe three or whatever, and Jeremy would cry. <laughs> Monica used to go, oh, whoa, whoa, Jay is crying. <laughs> and I used to piss him off so much. Oh, the memories. Atomic Punk, Feel Your Love Tonight, Little Dreamer, Ice Cream Man, which I think was a cover as well, On Fire, and of course, one of the uh, most iconic solos ever in uh, guitar rock and roll history, Eruption. This record has inspired so many artists, Eddie Van Halen, David Lee Roth, Michael Anthony, and of course, Alex Van Halen. To this day, it has gone to sell over 10 million copies. 
If you get a chance, whenever you listen to this podcast, whenever I get it out, run to your player, run to your CD collection, whatever you may have, and take a listen to Van Halen's eponymous album, Van Halen. And this is Judas Priest, the Sentinel. Recorded by moi, live, of course, <laughs> that is Mr. Rob Alford. The Sentinel, wow. Come down to hell! Wow, what a show that was. Oh, Adam and me enjoyed that show very, very much this past November at the Hartman Arena here in Wichita, Kansas. But we're going to go back to 1998, actually February the 4th of 1998. Judas Priest lead singer Mr. Rob Halford came out and said in an interview on MTV that he was gay. To many, it may have come as a shock. To me, it was just news. I didn't know he was gay. It, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. I'm a big fan of Judas Priest and uh, their wonderful heavy metal music. That's really what matters. It shouldn't matter whatever you are or whatever you identify as in this age of 2023 where inclusivity is being rammed down your throat. Uh, and that's no reference to a Judas Priest ram it down song. But I quite frankly get why Rob Halford went ahead and declared his gayness. And, and I'm going to quote. I feel this is a moment to discuss it, he says. A lot of homophobia still exists in the music world. End quote. And honestly, it's not only in the music world, it's all over society. I mean, right now, it probably still is. The only thing is politically incorrect to single out, to make fun, to degrade homosexuals in public. But this is a musical podcast, so let's put it in the context of music. Rob Halford himself, as a lead singer of uh, one of the uh, most successful heavy metal groups of all time, which is Judas Priest, already had this incredible body of work and this incredible fan base. Like I said, when I found out, it made no freaking difference. It was music. It's art. You're supposed to separate, I think. This is just me. You can think whatever the hell you want to think. You're supposed to separate the artist as an individual, as a person, from the art they're putting out. And this is going to sound uh, a little bit crazy, but artists are there to entertain us. We either consume their product or we don't. They're not there for us to model our lives after and other bullshit like that. And before Rob Halford, we still had Freddie Mercury. We still had Elton John. The, the, the pop world, the older geezer pop world, had Liberace. The 80s gave us Culture Club and Boy George. And they also gave us Wham! and Jorge Miguel. But I could see where Rob Halford is 
wanting to reach out to the community and let them know that it's hardcore to be a singer and have a background like Rob Halford in this macho infused environment, which is heavy metal to its purest core. Fast forward to 2023. Are the Judas Priest shows empty? Are they not being sold? Is he not going out with the rest of the band? Of course not. They're still just as powerful today. I was watching the Grammys this past weekend. And I watch it to stay current, to see what's going on. And like I said before, the expectation is we're having all this inclusivity thrown into our faces. And there's some song, uh, it's called, I don't know, Unholy or whatever. Yeah, Unholy. Because Kiss has a song called Unholy. That's where I remember it. And in my opinion, it's one of these disposable kinds of songs that are going to disappear. That's just me. And, you know, excellent that they've won an award and whatnot. But it was more about them being uh, LGBTQXYZ, all this other stuff. The artist behind this song is a guy who had an operation. He looks and he acts like a woman. Now, I had no freaking idea, to be honest with you, until they said so. And the term for these type of people, obviously, is transgender. Everybody knows that. Why can't they just celebrate the fact that they put out a song that's a popular song? That's really what matters. At least that's what matters to me. The substance, the quality, that's where it's at. Judas Priest, substance and quality, that's what it's about. It's not about what you identify as or what you think you are. It has nothing to do with that. Now, is there prejudice? Is there stigma? Is there abuse? Is there hate as a society towards these communities, towards marginalized subcultures? Absolutely. You'd have to be a fool not to see that. Now, can you also use your celebrity as a platform to denounce these? Sure, absolutely. I think Rob Halford did the right thing, coming out and expressing what he was, but in a form that is just to bring conscience. It's not all about him being gay. Judas Priest didn't put out the next record and say, oh, buy this record because we're gay. Absolutely not. When you see this type of behavior on these award shows, to me, that's the message that's being broadcasted. It cheapens the work you've done as an artist. And to close this out, this is the reason I say this. After or before the artist that sang the song Unholy, Madonna or the newest version of Madonna comes out, says this big speech about LGBTQ and bravery and breaking barriers and shocking audiences, etc. You know, the usual And that to me as a consumer of music, as a fan who listens to music, should have no bearing whatsoever. And like I said, I call this kind of music disposable. Time will either prove me right or prove me wrong. But I don't expect that song to be on any kind of list, like one of the most influential songs of the century. I don't think this is going to be a song like My Generation from The Who that we're still listening to today. Maybe we could hope that this exposure has uh, made people a little bit more sensitive. You know, because we all have relatives and friends that are homosexuals. And we know that they suffer like any other human being. Maybe they suffer a little bit more, but usually that's tied to the type of person that they are. Their secureness, their confidence, their the way they carry themselves. Let's not lump them all and put this tag on them. I think everybody should be judged on their merits. Like the merit that Mr. Rob Halford has. As the metal god, as the singer of Judas Priest, as a solo artist. Here's some free advice for up-and-coming artists, gay or not. You want a role model? Rob Halford. Talented, long-lasting, heavy metal hero, and now role model. 2023. Settle down, class. It's this week's rockin' higher education lesson on Led Zeppelin 101. With Professor Adam Lee Tate. Uh, 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 u
Yes, it is. It's Zeppelin 101, and this is Robert Plant. Babe, I'm going to leave you. Beautiful voice Mr. Robert Plant has. This is from Austin City Limits. Zeppelin 101, I'm still here. And uh, the Rock and Roll University never, ever closes its door. Because I need to instruct you about something that happened in the Zeppelin world back in February the 4th of 2009. That's right, I'm your substitute professor. Professor Adam Lee Tate is still out. Out at least until I have to <laughs> re-record that intro. Let us hope that never has to happen. Robert Plant said that he felt Led Zeppelin couldn't reunite for a full tour because the band feels incomplete without drummer John Bonham. And really all he's doing is reiterating what they've been saying as a group for all these years. This was a radio interview and he said the reason it stopped was because we were incomplete. And we've been incomplete now for 29 years. That was back in 2009, of course. He admitted, I think the thing about it is really, is that to visit old ground, it's a very delicate thing to do. And the disappointment, that could be there once you commit to that. And the comparisons to something that was basically fired by youth and a different kind of exuberance to now. It's very hard to go back and meet that head on and do it justice. Mm, Kind of a deep statement. I'm going to try to break it down. I could see to a point what Robert Plant is talking about. I kind of liken it to doing something that you did awesomely when you were young with a group of people. You enjoyed it. You fed off of everybody's energy. And then somebody's missing or somebody's not part of it anymore. And uh, you kind of uh, go back and mentally reminisce to that moment. And you find some kind of emptiness because there's a key piece missing to it. Or maybe even more than one key piece missing to it. In this case, it would be music. It would be four individuals plus all of their support base as they live through all these moments. Many that uh, Professor uh, Adam Lee Tate has shared with us uh, when they were flying on their jumbo jet. And uh, having all kinds of uh, fun. Uh, If you want to listen to some of those uh, classes, you may want to go back and revisit some of our episodes. And that would be, of course, the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast and its many seasons on uh, uh, Spotify and Apple podcast app. This sort of reminds me of an old saying, of an old adage, you can never go home again. (laughs) And I hope I got that right. It's from a novel, early 1900s around there, more or less. 
And I think it's about the expectation of nostalgia and how it makes us romanticize stuff that we've lived in the past. We kind of block out all the bad things and only remember the uh, good things when we want to. Revisiting those moments and not uh, reliving or experiencing the euphoria, euphoria, as Adam would have corrected me, the happiness that you felt at the moment or that you believe you felt at the moment, I think subconsciously would really fuck you up. If you didn't manage your expectations the right way. <laughs> euphoria. I always pronounce it in Spanish. I'd feel insane euphoria if I could be on stage with three other people who I love so much and went through so much together. And Robert Plant looking back and not seeing John Bonham. Hmm. Who knew? Robert Plant, the keeper of his own sanity. This is Soundgarden Snake. It's just been tune after tune that you just want to keep playing it. Soundgarden, Chris Cornell. On February the 10th of 2014, a Seattle woman was charged for allegedly sending Soundgarden singer Chris Cornell a number of chilling death threats and threats to harm his children. That's fucked up. The singer was sent over 100 different messages by Elizabeth Walden, who had nine different Twitter accounts. Woo! A social media schizophrenic. The prosecutor said that the tweets constituted cyber stalking and filed criminal charges against her. I went back, searched the internet, scoured the internet, trying to find what happened to this Elizabeth Walden. See what her sentence was, if anything. Turns out I didn't find anything, so I don't know what her destiny was, or at least I didn't look deep enough. But I did find out that this was not the first time that Chris Cornell, i.e. Chris Cornell's family, had endured this kind of stalking or this kind of uh, fanatical insanity that overcomes maniacal people. Turns out that the same thing had happened to him in Los Angeles back in 2007 when he was being stalked by an ex-sheriff's deputy by the name of Matthew Turner who had been allegedly hired by uh, Cornell's ex-wife who had sent also numerous threatening and terrifying death threats, uh, harassed and frightened, stalked the Cornell family at all hours of the day and night, and even broke into their home, wandered from room to room, and even urinated inside the home. Goes to show you, we got some sick motherfuckers out there. A friend of mine was being stalked one time by this dude, and I told her, I said, listen, you got to put this motherfucker in jail. She's a real nice person, and this guy tried to break into her home, would leave her notes on her car. He went as far as even coming to where we worked, and at that point, she didn't have no other choice but to tell us. Then she finally got a gun, you know, notified the authorities, whatnot, and finally he went to jail. And it was a crazy process going through the court system, getting these restraining orders and whatnot. Just because people have restraining orders doesn't mean they're going to stay away. They're fucking nuts. And it seems that there's even more deranged people stalking uh, musical artists and actors. That's how John Lennon was killed. Maybe that's the reason why Madonna decided to change her face again. 
bro. You, you see me, bro? I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. Let's get started. It's the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Historic hip hop rapizzle moment. Yo. I honestly didn't know how to uh, even engage and speak through that intro that I had there because that was a piece of this year's Grammy performance celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. 50 years. I initially had a hip-hop historic piece about P. Diddy and a shooting, that kind of stuff. But I was watching the Grammys, like I said before, and I saw this, quite frankly, It was the best musical performance piece of the evening. I was completely surprised. I don't watch a lot of the the hype, these kind of things before these shows. I, I, I don't watch a lot of regular TV. So I was completely surprised by this ensemble performance and taken aback. Yeah, I was. Right after the performance, I went onto the internet because, you know, I'm that kind of guy. And, of course, it was just all kinds of stories already popping up. This this was produced by Questlove, the drummer of The Roots. You know him uh, from the Jimmy Fallon show, an incredible drummer. He has my respect because he actually uses a drum versus a machine to make his beats, his rhythms. Not only did he do an incredible job producing this, he also was behind the drum kit on many of the performances. The entire set list that he produced, not only was it set up chronologically, it's set up kind of by chapters, by eras, and each one was introduced or narrated to an effect almost uh, by LL Cool J and another artist called Black Thought, who you've also seen on the Jimmy Fallon show because he's part of Questlove's band, The Roots. Now, if you know a little bit about Rapizzle history, you'll know that there is a lot of contention amongst the artists. There's things called beef, and uh, we've visited that before, and that's a pretty common term. No need to go back there. This is why I'm so delighted Questlove was able to bring all these artists together, do such a spectacular performance. To name a few, we had Grandmaster Flash on there, obviously. You heard a little bit of that at the beginning. You had Run DMC, of course, LL Cool J, DJ Jazzy Jeff was there, Salt and Pepper, Rakim, uh, Chuck D, Flavor Flav, De La Soul, Scarface, Ice-T, Queen Latifah, Method Man, Big Boy, Buster Rhymes, Missy Elliott, Nelly, Too Short. And I kind of (laughs) got lost after that. 
I needed Jay or I needed Monica or somebody who who would have been able to tell me who uh, who the last guy was, who the last performer was. He had this pointy. It looked like a traditional punk spike hair hairdo, except that it was in an afro. The best thing that I can compare it to and it comes to mind is that Ricky and Morty cartoon. He looks like Ricky, except that it's an afro and it was black, and uh, Ricky's is blue. Uh, maybe Ricky's is an afro as well. I, maybe. Going back to Questlove, kudos Questlove. Nobody got killed, nobody was shot, and given hip hop rap hizzle's history, that's a that's a great feat all on its own. Since I switched gears on this hip-hop rap hizzle, I really don't have uh, any kind of uh, uh, definitions for the education portion of the uh, the hip-hop rap hizzle so you can get street smart. But let's, uh, let's for shits and giggles, let's go ahead and let's search for, uh, let me see, we'll go for ensemble. <laughs> it says hype. I don't know if there was a lot of hype ahead of it because I didn't follow any of this prior to the show itself. To me, it was a very satisfying trip down memory lane having all these uh, hip-hop rap hizzers show up on this uh, performance. It was excellent to see that Les Paul jamming to Run DMC's The King of Rock. It actually transported me back to my younger days. I probably would have done something like this. I'm the king of rock, there is none higher. Sucker MCs should call me sire. To burn my kingdom, you must use fire. And I won't stop rocking till I retire. Tire, tire, tire. There it is right there, power course. Other rappers can't stand us, but give us respect. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm flashing back really hard. My heart is racing. <laughs> That's going to be it for this episode's hip hop rap hizzle moment. Ooh. I always taught my kids you have to have a variety in your life to include music. It has to be a little varied. It has to have some different types of flavor. That way, in a sense, it'll never become boring. This weekend, oh yeah, KISS! You know it! And this is KISS Live! And all hell's breaking loose! And this is Mr. Paul Stanley's rap coming up. What a great and powerful song this one is. 
Okay, you didn't think that Mr. Paul Stanley rapped? Well, well there you go. This day in history. That was a live performance back from 1985. Off the record, Lick It Up. I saw this tour actually as well. I think this was my first. Was it Animalize? Anyway, it's been a long time. This was uh, one of my first Kiss shows for sure. Lick It Up, great album. You know I loved it. There's no denying that in the title track of the album. Lick It Up is always a crowd favorite at shows. February the 5th of 2023. On the dawn of the 50th anniversary, having taken the stage as the frontman of one of the greatest bands ever, longtime KISS manager Doc McGee has come to the defense of frontman Paul Stanley, insisting that the singer is not lip-singing during the band's concerts. I really don't know why this keeps coming up on the rock news. And by the way, that's off of Ultimate Classic Rock. We all know that with time, wear and tear is going to affect any organ in your body, so... Why would your ability to sing not decline, not have the same power, not have the same range? I think we've beaten this up to death. We've already known that it's public knowledge. Tracks are being played over live performances. As a matter of fact, that's my expectation, actually, every time I go to a show. An example, tomorrow is the Super Bowl. Folks are going to kick and scream about the halftime show. I think the performer's Rihanna. God knows how many other uh, featuring artists are going to pop up on that one. And it's going to be lip-synced. That's the bottom line. And people are still going to watch. Are they going to bitch? Absolutely. But they're still going to watch. One of the biggest advocates against lip-syncing in live shows is Mr. Eddie Trunk. He's a recognized authority in rock and roll. He has a prominent presence amongst many respectable rock stars. And if I understand his point correctly, we're paying good money to see these uh, artists perform for us. We should be given a 100% live show. That means no vocal tracks, and it also includes no uh, tracks over the instruments. And I totally get it. I actually agree with that. But I'm a realist, and I'm aware there's something called Father Time. And Father Time is not kind. And it's a subject that's polarizing. Adam and me sit down at concerts, and we kind of uh, <laughs> look at each other and say, uh-oh. There's some tracks going on here, especially on that ZZ Top show we went back in the summertime. I mean, it was to, to us, it was obvious. Do we have the actual proof? No. But you could tell the songs were too pristine. And there's people that will disagree with that. I remember sharing some notes back and forth with my buddy, Tim the Trivia Titan. He saw the show as well. I believe he conveyed to me that he didn't think there was any tracks going on in that show. You take a performer like Paul Stanley, who's been performing for over 50 years professionally... Do you think he's going to have the same endurance and the same quality that his voice had back in the 1970s? You have to be insane. I'm not trying to convey to everyone that you should lower your expectations. If you don't believe that or you don't want to deal with that, then guess what? Don't buy the tickets, which are pretty fucking expensive. Now, if you want pure, unadulterated rock and roll, you can go ahead and Google uh, Tommy Martinez and Gene Simmons at <laughs> The Brayman Show down in Oklahoma. There was no tracks there. Give me some of that bass thing. Tough man. Rock and roll birthdays. Born on this day. I'll see you since the river's on the grass. 
From the beginning of the show, this has been just jam-packed with the best kind of rock and roll there is. Because celebrating her birthday, both were Axl Rose and Mr. Dove McKagan of this uh, wonderful group that we know as Guns and Roses. And that, of course, was so easy live. William Bruce Axl Rose and Michael Andrew Duff McKagan. Those are their names given to them at birth. Probably says that on their driver's license. Axel was born on February the 6th of 1962, he's 61 today, and Duff was born on February the 5th of 1964, he is 59. Happy belated birthday to both of them. get lost i get immersed and we're gonna end today's uh podcast uh musical pieces with mr dave Grohl and wheels and everyone i love before flash before my eyes because he also celebrated a birthday halfway through last month somehow i missed that but he's 53 today also, happy belated birthday to Mr. Dave Grohl. Celebrating birthdays as well this past couple of weeks. Alice Cooper. He was born February the 4th of 1948. Mr. Phil Collins of Genesis. He was born January the 30th of 1951. He's 72. Robin Zander, singer of Cheap Trick. He was born January the 23rd of 1953. He's 70 years old. Eddie Van Halen, one of our beloved guitarists here on this podcast. He was born January the 26th of 1955. He would have been 68 today. Mr. Vince Neal, singer of Motley Crue. He was born on February the 8th of uh, 1961. He celebrated his birthday here recently on the road with uh, the most newest version of Motley Crue and uh, guitarist John Five. A lot of hoopla going on about that on the rock news. Mighty bassist extraordinaire, Mr. Cliff Burton of Metallica. He was born uh, February the 10th of uh, 1962. He would have been, uh, let me see, 61. And last but not least, and much worthy uh, of a mention, Shakira Isabel Mabarek Rapol, better known by just plain Shakira, whose personal problems with her uh, husband or ex-husband, some soccer player from uh, Spain, have been plastered all over the Spanish-speaking tabloids. But we here at the Tommy and Adam Hearts and Aim podcast are uh, Team Shakira. So we don't care about any of that stuff. We just care about how well she's holding up and how much she's taking care of this, which we like to cover, or better said, uncover in the following segment. Influence the unsuspecting world with that bow tag. It's the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast, but Influencer Showcase. You betcha. 
The future plan for the butt influencer segment is uh, probably going to start getting faded out. It'll be another casualty in the absence of my friend Adam. And I haven't done it yet because I'm still getting correspondence on this segment. Some people hate it, but there's still those people who love it. They follow us along as we explore through the Lord of the G-Strings app. Holler indeed, because we have somebody off of Instagram. Another reason I haven't eliminated this uh, this segment is because Asian X3 is still loading the Lord of the G-Strings app. And you can download it from the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast.com. And this time it has popped up Miss Cindy Oficial. And that would be M-I-S-S-C-I-N-D-Y-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. It's nothing uh, mysterious about this handle. Straight out, Miss Cindy Official. And that would be on Instagram. And let's read a couple of her stats here. Her name is Cindy Tran. And she is Vietnamese. Mm. Wow, I've never seen a Vietnamese like this before. You could be the judge once you hit your Lord of the G-Strings app. And I know quite a bit of Vietnamese, and that's why I say this. This beautiful young lady, I'm going to guess she has some enhancements. If she does it, my bad. Going back to this Instagram post, uh, she is in a skin tone onesie. G's throwing the back riding high. You know, this is why uh, we have this uh, segment to identify butt influencers. She's very much influencing here for sure her uh, skin tone color is extremely beautiful it's dark she has very straight hair it's kind of flowing there's something that i did notice on this picture she's standing in front of a shower and that picture when she's taking it it's probably off of a mirror however i don't see a phone she's probably using some of that advice adam and me gave as rampologist back at the end of season number three on how to take butt selfies up your game on butt influencing something also that i noticed here is she's not subtle whatsoever the caption on this one says look back at it she's obviously referring to that massive gluteus and its exotic color just bams you right there and bam you add a c and an e to her last name and you have trance because if you're weak-minded it'll put you in a trance for sure you'd be spending all kinds of money now let's get to what we're here for and those are the comments The first couple of comments are the standard comments. Uh, I've missed you. Evidently, somebody who knows her. Somebody else replied, and they wrote back, me too. So I don't know what's going on there. Hearts, fires, emojis with uh, hearts in the eyes. (laughs) There's one that looks like two chili peppers. Okay, not bad, not bad. (laughs) Here's one that I'm going to read in Asian. So young, bad now. I don't even know what that means, but that's how I imagine it. Here's another one that says natural. Okay, I don't know. It would have to go through a further examination when uh, Dr. Adam and myself were uh, practicing rumpology on this podcast. But a quick examination. Yeah, sure. I'll say it's natural. Here's one praising her skin tone. I've already mentioned that. (laughs) Here's one that says Big Mac. Guess it must have made him hungry. Made him or her hungry. <laughs> you don't know who's behind these handles. I imagine when you're that direct on your caption of look back at it, you would, you're would you basically soliciting direct responses back. There's a reply here. 
by an uptown 211 that says, I am, but the skin on my thumb is peeling from all the scrolling. It just makes you wonder what that person is doing while they're scrolling back and forth. Here's another direct response that says, and smack it. Wow, Miss Cindy official really is influencing a lot of folks here. Oh, okay, here's one that I think is in Vietnamese because the letters have those accent squiggly kind of marks on the letters. It reads, Ta'on Long Mong. Okay, well, let me copy and paste it and throw it into the translator. It is Vietnamese. I more than likely butchered the pronunciation. Ta'on Mong. Let's see if I was at least close. All right, I wasn't that far off, I think. Let's translate that to English. Big butt. But of course, why would it be anything different? It's difficult being more mature than your father. We learned, we learned a new word, and in Vietnamese today. <laughs> Sometimes I have to congratulate myself. This is also an educational podcast. I really love learning new things. And it is time for hashtag What the Frijoles. Let's see what we can learn this time. And it is St. Valentine's Day, so we're going to learn about plastic surgery. Get ready for Valentine's Day. Ten ways to look and feel your best. (laughs) We all know St. Valentine's Day is about looking your best so you can receive the best kind of loving. And this list is off of ConstantinePlasticSurgery.com. So yeah, this has to be legit. Right out the gate at number one is Get Fuller Breasts. That translates to get some biggins. Number two is enhance your lips. What for, you ask? For kissing. For what else do you think it's for? It says here, men enjoy kissing women with full and luscious lips. That's kind of not inclusive. What if uh, the lady's partner is a female? I bet you she likes kissing with, she likes kissing also luscious lips. Here at number three is something called fall in love with your skin. Something about combining injectable dermal fillers with some neuromodulators like Botox. Oh, okay. That's just so, so shoot up your skin with Botox. Oh, that doesn't sound safe. I can see as, uh, as I go down this list, it gets boring. Restore your eyelids. Reduce the girls. Hmm. Breast reduction. Uh, I guess. I mean, the ladies have back pain. But uh, that wouldn't, uh, I don't think that would increase your fun for St. Valentine's Day. Ah, then it says reclaim your shape, slim your jawline, tone and tighten, enjoy a flatter stomach. Yeah, I guess we could all enjoy that. And that's basically it. There's not even one here for uh, getting your butt out there to uh, butt influence. You would think that one would be there, but it's not on this top 10. This, uh, what the frijoles is very lame. Goes to show you though, we don't like getting old. At least not all of us. And personally, this is what I know about plastic surgery, that once you get it, you have to keep either replacing it or making it better or trying to get it fixed after you get it fixed. Shit, that's a lot of money. To make yourself bangable and to keep getting banged, ooh, on St. Valentine's Day or whenever, or whenever during the year. 
And at the end, it's all for naught because we're still going to die. And I had to cut that wet frijoles off. This is lame. Some people have the money for that stuff. If you have it, go for it. It's the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Sound of the Week. Ah, Sound of the Week. The most difficult segment to do solo. I didn't find a lot happening when it comes to new releases. John Frushanti of the Chili Peppers released two albums, kind of weird albums. Uh, I, I, I went through a couple of the songs and I didn't hear any lyrics. You, you got to check it out for yourself. Ah, it really wasn't that exciting to me, so I'm not even going to try to play a piece of it on this podcast. You can make that judgment call once you check it out yourself. John Frusciante 1 and 2. Indie, emo, funk rock, pop funk, uh, rock band, if that really is a name for them. Paramore, which comes across my desk every once in a while. And they released their, I think, sixth or seventh album uh, the, just yesterday, actually titled This Is Why, and here's their uh, title track. Not bad. Yeah. I guess this is why I uh, decided to play this. Almost chili pepper esque. If you have an opinion, maybe you should. You can check it out if you want. Like I said, you have to have a little variety in life, and this provides that uh, escape, I would think. And, uh, <laughs> and speaking of escaping, there was a big hoopla on the news this past week about a Chinese balloon that escaped, made it into American airspace. All this ruckus. About this balloon that was spying on America. You know, the government going back and forth and people losing their minds. And I guess everybody knows what's best for national security, this, this, and the other. Me, personally, I say shoot it down the minute they knew about it. But, you know, I'm not in charge. Long story short, it was shot over uh, the coast of South Carolina. And initially, there was no up-and-close footage of how this all went down. There was some amateur video. You could see a contrail closing in on this balloon and all of a sudden there was another contrail and pop that was the end of the chinese balloon now we here in america after a summer of enjoying that movie maverick top gun we wanted sound we demand excitement maybe put in some metallica seek and destroy background music as that jet fired off those missiles Woo! that would have been great and we here at the tommy and adam hard to name podcast know that so guess what our Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast <laughs> special events recording team was up there recording it. Take a listen to this. That is a US F-22 fighter jet streaking towards the balloon. Target acquired. Target locked.
fucking communist government of China embarrassing the good people of of that country. <laughs> It's the Tommy and Adam hard-to-name podcast, Sound of the Week. It's the Tommy and Adam hard-to-name podcast, Mora Hokaria of the Week. All right. (laughs) I don't even know why I'm doing a motherfucker here. I'll tell you what. Let me regain my composure here. Uh, okay, so I talked to you about a surprise at the beginning of the podcast. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen. You all know this week is uh, St. Valentine's Day, and I always have something special. I did have something special lined up. It was an interview. <laughs> Let me pause for a minute. <laughs> that that uh, sound of the week just messed me up a little bit. huh? <sighs> okay, okay. I had an interview. <laughs> I had, I had an interview lined up with the manufacturer of a special kind of pastry that is the craze for this Saint Valentine's Day, at least in the naughty department. Because what else are we going to bring here? I texted back and forth with her during, <laughs> during this podcast, and to see if she could call in. Uh, she said she was going to call in. She didn't. So I have to move on. I don't want all my research to go to waste. So I'm going to try to uh, give you as best I can what I found out. You know that last year, the craze was post-COVID adult party games. And if you're interested, just go back to the episode of uh, February of last year, more or less. You'll see it and you can listen to it. It's available on Spotify and the rest of your favorite DSPs. Also, if you listen to any noise, that's my wife speaking to my grandson over the phone. The sun is up and my wife is up and it's time to close this out. I went to speak with the ladies. At, I went to speak with the manager of one of the naughty shit at Boing Boing Enhancer stores here in town. And I noticed there were some pastries, cookies, cakes kind of things in uh, the front counter. Like at the convenience store, you pick up your ho-hos and other kind of goodies right there at the counter before you buy your lottery ticket. I didn't remember them from last year, so obviously I asked. To my surprise, the manager said that they were made here locally. She gave me the card and I got in touch with them. But like I said, it didn't work out. I spoke with her. She was cool about it. She missed her chance now to be on the best podcast out there. Let me open my folder and we will take a look at some of these. Some of these coitus (laughs) confectioneries. I'm not going to make it through this one either. (laughs) Coitus. Coitus confectioneries. Yummy snacks before, during, and after making love. Now the first one right out the chute is a is a bag of dicks. Wow, how suggestive this is, and that's why I wanted to interview her. I mean, how, what's the recommendation when you're giving these as gifts? On top of that uh, bag of penises, there you have a bag of boobs, and these are all cookies and little cakes in the shapes of the body parts that they're actually. <laughs> they're actually modeled after some are heart shaped it's like some uh, some of these in the bag of boobs because there's a variety of them there's a heart shape and then has two niplets <laughs> that's very cool uh on the bag of penises uh the part where the testicles are instead of just being uh the regular uh, depicted ball sack area the testes are formed uh, kind of in a ways of uh <laughs> of a heart shape as well and some 
lines are piped on it to make it seem like a pubic hair. I wouldn't think that's too appetizing, but mm, to each his own. There's a kick here that has a message that says, we go together like, and the three dots of continuation, and it has, it has two little heart shapes, some lips, and a penis. <laughs> I guess that will work for St. Valentine's Day's party, or maybe even a birthday party, maybe. Keep in mind, I'm describing what I'm seeing. So if you've seen this podcast, uh, whenever you're searching for it, you're going to see that it says explicit. So I hope you don't have any kids around. Here's another one that says, good vibes only. (laughs) There's this cookie in the form of a pink vibrator. And another cookie in a form of a card that says, happy Valentine's Day. Wow. I guess that's if you're going to, oh, well, (laughs) let's leave that one alone. Anyway, you get the idea. This last one I'm going to mention just says, Happy Valentine's Day, lover. (laughs) And it has four little cakes with uh, different positions. You would be possibly engaging before, during, or after lovemaking. It's the Tommy Adam Hardenin Podcast. Mora Focaria of the week. But yeah, just like the ad says. Why not? Now that I think about it, it was a good thing the interview didn't happen because I probably would have been laughing through the whole thing. Good times, bad times. On the Tommy and Adam Martin Podcast. And if you hear that, you know it's towards the end of the podcast. So it's time to start getting out of here. looking out the window and it seems like it's going to be a good Saturday so let me hurry up bad times bad times first as always and those bad times correspond to Mr. Burt Bacharach I'm getting frog again sorry Mr. Burt Bacharach composer songwriter producer and pianist (laughs) responsible for some of the most enduring pop songs in history he died this past Wednesday that's the eighth or the ninth around there If you don't know any of his songs, you may remember him from the first Austin Powers movie where he sang uh, his song, uh, What the World Needs Now. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Maybe you could uh, play that romantical song as you consume some of those cookies and cakes and pastries that I mentioned in the previous segment. Rest in peace, Burt Bacharach. Kansas City native, by the way. And speaking of Kansas City, the Super Bowl is this weekend. That's not really what The Good Times is about because I am not a big football consumer. However, I am a consumer of those commercials. I love watching them. And guess who's going to be on one of them? Mr. Dave Grohl. He's doing one of those Super Bowl commercials for Crown Royale. You could go on YouTube, search for it, and take a look at it. It's already there. And with almost anything that involves Mr. Dave Grohl, I bet you it's going to be really good. I would dare to say it's going to be the best one, but there's also another one with Mr. Paul Stanley of Kiss and even Ozzy. So uh, we'll have to go ahead and uh, maybe discuss that the next time because it is time to uh, get out of here. Wow. Another awesome episode of the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast. I just delivered for you and for you alone. Season number four, episode number eight. Oh, there was no bad times. It was good times. Uh, I hope this weekend that you're able to enjoy the Super Bowl. Also, next week on Valentine's Day, maybe order some of those little cakes 
if you don't have the money <laughs> to uh, pay for some plastic surgery. Thank you, thank you. And Adam, you know what I'm going to ask you, brother. Come on back, please. The seat is waiting for you. As always, we want to thank our legion of listeners, our fans, and whoever else subjects themselves to this podcast. We really appreciate it. Keep in mind, life is not that serious, nor anything else we have said on this podcast. Question everything and don't believe anyone. Do your own research and come to your own conclusions. Again, search with the keywords, the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, RSS podcast, and everywhere else this podcast is on demand and streaming. Activate the notification icon to be notified when we are online. Write a comment and share it with a friend, but mostly with an enemy. And for both my friend Adam Tate and me, I am Tommy Martinez, and today... It's February the 11th of 2023, and you are listening to the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast. Remember to always play it often, play it loud, but play it. Yeah! The Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast is produced by Dada Cola Promotions. Yeah! Which are the Kansas? Dada Cola Promotions.